0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: Suggesting that toxic behavior is somehow a specific hockey problem or to scapegoat hockey as a centerpiece for toxic culture is, in my opinion, counterproductive to finding solutions and risks overlooking the change that needs to be made more broadly to prevent and address toxic behavior, particularly against women.
0: Andrea Skinner, then still the chair of the board of Hockey Canada, defending the management team as she did throughout the questions. We did a very lively and very engaging segment on this issue yesterday for the full hour with your calls and with guests. And a few hours later, I'm not suggesting that what we did was the reason why this happened, but Andrea Skinner resigned as the chair of the board. So what does this mean going forward? What does it mean to Hockey Canada? What does it mean to the in-place management team? Particularly when you also factor in that the key sponsors, many key sponsors, have just declared they will no longer provide sponsorship for Hockey Canada under the current environment. And they were very direct. Uh, Scotiabank, TELUS, uh, Tim Hortons, very direct. I read you. Statements yesterday. Well, back with us as he was yesterday is Anthony Housefather, liberal member of parliament. He's a lawyer, and uh, he's also a member of the Parliamentary Ethics Committee involved in the questioning last Tuesday of Ms. Skinner. Anthony, thank you for coming back. Are you surprised by the decision made by Ms. Skinner last night?
1: So, I'm not surprised in the sense that Andrea Skinner, as her, as her testimony showed, became almost an apologist for Hockey Canada, and I think they ended up seeing her as a liability. Um, The problem I see here is that if you recall, Roy, last time they had Michael Brindamore, who was the former chair of the board, resign, but nobody else resigned. Scott Smith didn't resign as CEO, none of the management resigned, and none of the other board members resigned. And they thought that would be enough. And I'm wondering if, again, they're going to say, OK, well, we've gotten rid of Andrea Skinner, who didn't do well at the Heritage Committee on Tuesday. Um, you, know, uh, you know, maybe we can wait it out now and we don't have to get rid of Scott Smith or any of the management. And, and I think that would be a terrible uh, you know, position that Hockey Canada takes, but we're going to have to wait and see
0: this is not going to go away. The fact that Miss Skinner resigned is not going to change anything. You're not certainly going to change the fact that the public is demanding, many people in the public across this country, demanding the resignation or the firing of the management team in the wake of the $8.9 million Hockey Canada says it approved in 21 out-of-court settlements, sexual assault allegation settlements, since 1989. So, But from your perspective... From the ethics, parliamentary ethics committee perspective, does it change what you do now? Does it ap- ap- change the approach of the committee? Uh, so just
1: just to note, it's the Heritage Committee, not the Ethics Committee. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, we're the yeah. ones responsible for sport, uh, culture, and communications. Yeah. That being said, no, I don't think this... Show, uh, this changes anything in terms of how we're going to approach Hockey Canada. Uh, again, it's a symbolic res- resignation, the same as with what happened with Michael Brindamore a few months ago. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, this doesn't change the culture at Hockey Canada. It doesn't change the management. And I just have this feeling that for a second time, Hockey Canada is going to say, let's get rid of the chairman of the board and everyone else just stay and see if we can wait it out. Can they? No, I, I don't think that they can. I think they would be delusional to believe that they can given the way all parties in the parliament feel, given the way all the sponsors seem to feel, the provincial federations, uh, you know, and the ordinary hockey parents and, and participants. And no, I mean, I don't think they can. But again, as you saw, Roy, the, the position they took coming into the hearings on Tuesday seemed to be
0: a bit delusional as well. It really did seem that way. And when I listened to Miss Skinner's explanations or answers to the questions that were asked on Tuesday, I almost felt sorry for her. Not quite, but I almost felt sorry for her because it's almost as though she was painted into a corner by the entire Hockey Canada structure, which has been around for a long time and has been paying out these out-of-court settlements. Uh, for, for a long period of time, a baggage car attached to baggage car. We know there were two such f- funds. And, and it would be very difficult to overcome. But when you're the chair of the board, your responsibility is to the entire organization, not to the management team. Now, um, Anthony, how much time do they have? I'm talking about the management team now to finally realize what it is Canadians are demanding. Not only Canadians, but also their sponsors, Tim Horton, Scotiabank, TELUS, and those very direct statements these organizations made about the structure of Hockey Canada and how disappointed they are that things haven't changed. How much time do they have?
1: I don't think they have very much time because I think there's going to be another Heritage Committee hearing in the next couple of weeks which if they've done nothing by then will cause them untold embarrassment yet again. Um, and I think the sponsors are not going to stand for no, no action. And The World Junior Championships, as you know, are happening in the Atlantic provinces in New Brunswick and the in Nova Scotia, and, uh, and, and both premiers and the mayors have said that they may well, uh, you know, pull the world championships, the world juniors, if Hockey Canada doesn't do anything. So I don't think they have that much time left. But yet again, remember, Roy, they just postponed their board election by a month until December. Yeah. So everything they're doing seems to fly in the face of, okay, we're changing things.
0: It is, it is stunning that they are, that are doing this. I'm just looking at uh, part of the statement. From Tim Hortons, we've communicated to Hockey Canada on many occasions that the organization needs to take strong and definitive action before it can regain the faith and trust of Canadians. Um, We're deeply disappointed in the lack of progress that Hockey Canada has made to date. Scotiabank, uh, from Hockey Canada, we expect a tangible commitment to transparency with Canadians, strong leadership, accountability with their stakeholders and the hockey community. Ultimately, our position hasn't wavered. The time for change is long overdue. Now, you're a lawyer. You get the what's going on. You're a member of the Heritage Committee. By the way, ethics should be part of every committee, parliamentary committee. But
1: I mean, ethics certainly should be part of all yeah, parliamentary yeah, committees. Yeah.
0: Oh, everything committee. that happens in government, anywhere in government. But, <laughs> what, we could talk about that all day, if you like. What, um, what about, what kind of structure do you envision um, for Hockey Canada? What do you think should change? Everything?
1: Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know that everything. I mean, I think it, it's more the people that are there and the priorities, right? Hockey Canada needs to put in place a culture that has a zero-tolerance policy for sexual misconduct. It needs to have training programs that are put in place for people at all levels of hockey. It needs to have people who, in good faith, want to work towards a different type of system I don't think it's the structure, like the way that they're organized between the federations and the national body that's the problem. It, it, it's the management that's there and what they've done over the last period of time, which seems to be a very big sense of entitlement mm-hmm. um, in condoning a culture um, of, you know, boys will be boys and let's pay the people off.
0: Yeah, the provincial associations should have a lot to say about how this federal, the national association, uh, makes changes. Now, Allison Forsyth, who was with us yesterday, who will be with me right after you and I speak, was sexually assaulted by her national team ski coach and experienced Alpine Canada requesting in the presence of the coach that she remain silent about the sexual assaults because if she didn't, it may affect their sponsorships. Gymnastics athletes are speaking out. Do we have a systemic problem? And sports organizations. The
1: Heritage Committee broadened our study on Hockey Canada to start dealing with all other sports. It's now going to be called Safe Sports in Canada. And we've scheduled at least four meetings with other sports. And gymnastics, I think, will certainly be one of them. Uh, You know, bobsled skeleton will be one of them. Um, And and we'll start looking at other sports as well, because it is very clear based on the story you just just recited to me um, that there are problems, great problems in other federations as well, with this kind of idea that, you know, we need to, uh, you know, it's up to the athlete who's been mistreated to be quiet so that, you know, the federation doesn't lose
0: money. Now, can you imagine that a federation would have the gall to sit down An athlete who's been sexually assaulted by her national team coach, who incidentally, uh, shortly thereafter, was uh, sentenced to 12 years in prison, sat her down on a bed in a hotel room with the coach and representatives of Alpine Canada in her presence saying be quiet about this i'm paraphrasing of course be quiet about this because if you speak out publicly it could cost us sponsorships that speaks to me of an absolute systemic arrogance that we're above everything else and you will do whatever we say regardless of what may or may not happen to you i think i think it's worse than that i mean beyond that i think it's possibly criminal behavior
1: i mean if you're telling a survivor a sexual assault not to go to the police and you're putting pressure on them not to do so you may be hitting, you may be hitting, you know, into the criminal law as well. So I, I encourage, you know, your brave guest to, you know, to do whatever she needs
0: to do to expose that. And, you know, very happy to listen to her story. Here's a couple of words from the uh news release when they announced they were no longer going to be funding. Or supporting Hockey Canada financially under the current management structure. We are deeply disheartened by the lack of action and commitment from Hockey Canada to drive necessary cultural change. I just have this feeling, it's just a gut feeling, but I have a feeling that uh, I don't think this management team is going to survive the rest of the day. I mean, like, today. I can't see the National Hockey League not applying tremendous pressure. ...in this regard. They don't like any of this. They don't want it to continue. And the pressure is being applied on the management team from every possible compass point. Allison Forsyth, former Canadian Olympic skier, board member at Athletes Can, which represents Canadian national team athletes. Also a partner and chief operating officer at ITP Sport. It's a safe sport consulting and programming agency. And Ms. Forsyth, as you know from our conversations, was sexually assaulted by the national team coach... And uh, he received 10 years or 12 years in prison. And then the parole board said, well, you're a low risk. We'll let you go early. That's just outrageous. And almost as outrageous as Alpine Canada sitting Miss Forsyth on a, on a bed in a hotel room with her assaulter and saying, can you just please be quiet about this? Because we don't want to lose our sponsors. This is systemic. Allison, thank you for coming back on the program. Are you surprised? that the uh, resignation by um, by the now former board chair.
2: You know, I am a bit surprised because the way that she was speaking in the parliamentary hearings, and I think most of us Canadians would say that did not go very well for her. Um, but I think the way she was speaking came across like she had some pretty serious and strong convictions. Um, so I won't, I try not to ever, you know, prophesize or think in too much about what other people are going through. I'm sure it's been a challenging 48 hours for her and she's, you know, a human being above all else. So with respect to her, I think it was, you know, the obviously probably the right decision um for her and, and undoubtedly I would say probably the right decision for her mental health at this point. I can't imagine what she's had to had to endure. However, it doesn't take away from, you know, the gravity of her defensiveness um up until this point. And I think we could all just sit here in curiosity as to, you know, what's next. But it's 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 time for more change. This is obviously um, you know me, Roy, this is definitely not enough. Um, she's too far from the actual impact of what has happened. Um, so the the you know the acting leaders that make the decisions every day are the ones that need to
0: um, also leave. Yeah, for sure. This also, though, leaves the entire board, the remainder of the board, and uh, the management team exposed. I mean, I don't see how they have any other recourse than to you know, wave the white flag.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I agree. And I I get disheartened to think about now what, you know, we're just going to waste more time. Well, you know, there's still victims out there. There's still people struggling. Um, You know, they managed to put in place an action plan, quote unquote, if you saw my air quotes right now in 48 hours once this crisis broke. Yet they've really done nothing since then, except switch people out. People have been resigning, being defensive, suing the government. I mean, it just goes on and on. So they need to wave the white flag. Um, And it's time to step away. And and I truly believe there are sport leaders in this country that can step in. And and our children are so far removed from Hockey Canada, unfortunately not probably from the funding that they'll need to get back. But um, I'm at a rink right now. Speaking of which, but I think they're so far removed that I have no doubt that hockey will continue tomorrow and be in a much more positive place once this transition occurs.
0: Yeah, and they also have to deal with the fact that provincial federations have had it with them, are withdrawing support and funding. It's just crumbling around them. They've got nothing left to hold on to. But let's talk a little bit more about what it is that you do at ITP Sport. Because uh, if we have a systemic situation across this country in so, at least some national sports organizations, and we know what you challenge, were challenged with by Alpine Canada, mm-hmm. uh, what is it you do at, at ITP Sport, Allison? And tell us about the success that you're having or the work that you're doing with Soccer Canada.
2: Well, that's great. Thank you for asking. So um, our company, it's myself and my business partner, Elon Yampolski. He's worked in safeguarding of children and safeguarding in sport for 15 years. Um, I obviously bring a unique perspective of a survivor um, of sexual abuse within the system, so firsthand lived experience and expertise. Um, what we recognized, Roy, about two years ago was this was a massive issue in the country. We were already managing independently, managing complaints on behalf of some national sporting organizations, and we just looked around and said, okay, who, who if not us um, – can support both, obviously, due process for complainants and respondents, because we do do independent complaint management. Um, I am the fortunate person who gets to head up prevention, so I focus a lot on very specific, sport-specific, um, you know, normalization of behavior-specific prevention and awareness um, and education. The big thing here, Roy, that I want everyone to understand is every sport has an issue with the normalization of behaviors. Um, Most notably, you see that toughen them up attitude that is still going on in sports. So I specialize in breaking through the culture, um, the toxic culture and shifting the behaviors to be safer for all participants.
0: Do, do you agree? Is it your sense? that the, I don't want to just use a word to, um, at random here, but do you have a sense there's a systemic issue in uh, national sports organizations? I mean, when I first heard that Hockey Canada uh, management were having uh, championship rings cast for themselves that cost $3,000 each, I uh, wait a minute, you weren't on the ice. You, you did nothing to really earn this this ring that right. you're going to be sporting. So is there a systemic issue across the spectrum here?
2: Absolutely. Um, there is, Roy, and, and part of this is, as you just mentioned, there's a huge gap between the athlete base in the National Sporting Organization um, and the administrators. So that's the biggest gap that I see and the gap that I try to close because there are great sports administrators out here Um, trying to do great things on behalf of their national team athletes but if they stay in the boardrooms and if they're you know focused on producing the rings and you know maybe i don't know flying somewhere to hand out inappropriate medals to women's national teams i mean if that's their focus and it's ego based and organizational protection based we're all in trouble so we need to close the gap between the administrators of the organization and why they're there which is the athletes and coaches on the field of play or on the race